0: Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 86th episode, and I'm here after car launch season has officially wrapped up and ahead of pre testing. I realize a lot of you are actually probably going to be listening to this episode while cars are already out on track in Bahrain, testing off their 2024 Challengers. And speaking of those, what a week it was with Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren, and Red Bull all showing off their new cars. I mean, most are expecting those to be the top four teams. So it was a pretty exciting week if you're into car launches and seeing the new liveries, because that's what we're going to be talking about today. You'll hear my thoughts on how those cars look and any storylines surrounding the launches of those cars this week. Then it's time to lay down some predictions for the season because of course, cars are about to hit the track. So I got to have my predictions out there before we start to learn some things and it starts to sway my judgment a little bit. Before we get to today's episode, though, first, a quick reminder to check out the link tree in the description. It has links to all the platforms where you can find this podcast and the ways you can contact me. Now, let's get into the final episode before cars take to the track later this week. So first off, we're starting with the reaction to Ferrari's car launch. This happened a week ago now. I I did forget that it was family day this past Monday in Canada. So I was busy with the family and unfortunately couldn't record my podcast on time. Um, So I am coming at you guys a day late. So thank you for still tuning in. And I apologize for that. I'm really trying to cut that out this year. um, But not off to a good start, I guess. So anyway, um, let, let's let just get straight into it with Ferrari. When when does the red car ever do anything wrong? I mean, the thing looks beautiful. I have a picture of it right now, so I'm, I'm staring right at it. And for, for YouTube listeners, I guess you, you'll be seeing it on the screen. If you're listening to it uh, just audio only, then um, you're not going to be able to see it. But hopefully most of you have seen it anyway by now. Obviously, it's red. Shocking. Um, But it does have a little bit of yellow and black on it this year, more than usual. Um, It's got a little bit of yellow and white stripes coming across the side pod and also on the nose. I think it's a nice touch. Um, A lot of black on the top of the side pods, but you don't really see the car from the top angle that much. So I actually think, you know, with the trend going towards so many cars uh, leaving so much exposed carbon fiber, that's the place to do it because that's. Uh, an area of the car. You're not going to see too much. And to be honest, I don't even hate the look with the black there. So yeah, Ferrari nailed it as they always do. The car looks pretty beautiful. Uh, a little bit of black on the front wing. I feel like maybe the front wing being just full red would have looked a little bit better, but it is what it is. You can't go wrong with red and black and they definitely didn't overdo it with the white or the yellow either. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's looking good, but Ferrari also may have made news in maybe not so great a way they are the only team to choose to stay with a pull rod rear suspension instead of moving to the push rod everyone else moved the only team that will be sporting a pull rod that's not ferrari is Haas, and that's because Haas gets their parts from ferrari so they didn't get to choose now this is something that other teams already had and if they they didn't have it last year like mercedes aston martin and williams they all just switched so it's it's pretty shocking to be out on your own for ferrari a, a team that you think wouldn't make a mistake like that i, I say mistake it, it might not be a mistake um because ferrari's technical director enrico Cardile, says it's not worth it for the benefits they get from their pull rod suspension in other areas or i guess rather push rod suspension i guess i wrote out the wrong thing there because i was transcribing his quote but anyway um ferrari has a push rod suspension they feel like they're getting other benefits in other areas from that push rod and it's not worth it to move to the pull rod suspension um i don't need to get too technical and explain the difference if you know the difference that's fantastic if you don't basically it's a completely different suspension layout they're basically have different trade-offs and now everyone has gone one way basically considered to be the Red Bull way and Ferrari has stayed with their own push rod suspension. So yeah, this is something that other technical directors have also been vocal about like Sauber's James Key or Stake, or whatever. Um, he has said that there are clear advantages from moving uh, to the pull rod suspension aerodynamically. So for someone to be that adamant about the advantages you get from moving to pull a rod, it's kind of crazy that uh, team could be out on their own here. So that is a little bit scary. Um, but Ferrari does seem to be taking more of a strength in the weaknesses type of approach instead of overhauling the car. After all, they were the closest to Red Bull at the end of last year. So if they can, you know, fix some of those issues that they had, of course, a little bit with tire degradation, they were super wind sensitive. Um, the, the drivers both complained about peakiness a little bit here. But that seems to be the case with a lot of cars that Aren't the Red Bull um, in this new regulation? So I'm interesting. To, I'm interested to see where Ferrari is next year. I feel like out of the gate they actually probably will be the second fastest car behind Red Bull. However, I think over the course of the year, this uh, this issue of not overhauling the car, maybe they run into a bit of a development plateau. I don't know. It's going to reflect in my predictions later on. So let's move on to Mercedes. Wow. Uh, what a livery we got here. I'm going to put that up on the screen for YouTube listeners again. This has gone over well with the fans. Um, I don't think it's necessarily better than the Ferrari or Aston Martin, but neither of those were different. You know, this is a bold look that Mercedes just uh, s- uh, slapped on their car, and I think they pulled it off. The car is visibly different it's got that green stripe that usually goes underneath the side pod now it's going over that kind of blends nicely with the gray on the nose there's a bit of gradient on the back of the car um it's it's a great look i think of mixing both these silver arrow looks of the past and then keeping their black of course still a bit of exposed carbon on this car as well but um other people like to make a bigger deal of that than i do i guess But it's also visibly different in terms of the aerodynamic package. And I I try not to be too technical on this show because I'm not an expert, Um, but you can tell that it's just a completely of course it has the new pull rod but it's it's got a completely different chassis look to it those uh really pronounced like shoulders that the mercedes had are now very they're much more flat um the side pod inlet the side pod inlet rather is a bit of a p-shape that's the uh, what you would see if you were facing the front of the car right uh kind of where to down to the side of where the halo is it's a little p-shape instead of uh the little um, letterbox that they had at the end of last year. Um, And, yeah, just the overall side pod structure is looking a lot different. Mercedes has basically said that they've changed every component besides the steering wheel on this vehicle. So, yeah, I am excited to see what this team can do this year, of course. They are still my team while Lewis Hamilton is driving there. Um, It's it's a bit more like last year's Red Bull, um, which... Is not that surprising. It's a little bit surprising when we get to Red Bull and see what they came out with. But I'm not going to get ahead of myself. It's pretty cool though to see that it's not just a complete copy. Though Mercedes is still innovating. For example, they have clearly the most unique front wing. It's very obvious to even the most untrained and untechnical eye. They have um, basically it looks like a part of the front wing is missing at the top and the in the middle, and it's just connected by a wire and somehow that's legal. I'm not sure how they pulled it off. And I don't know what kind of aerodynamic benefits they get from that. But it's pretty cool. Um, Also at the front of the wing, it's almost like a little spoon that they have between the nose and the front wing. So it's pretty cool. Um, I guess that I'm going to leave it at that for my my technical analysis, um, because I don't really have that type of expertise. Um, The cockpit has also been moved back as uh, requested by Lewis Hamilton uh, as I mentioned, the brand new suspension, of course, so we shall see if the characteristics change at all from the Mercedes of last two seasons, I think there might be some growing pains just learning a, a brand new car. And like I said, the brand new characteristics of it, hopefully you would hope there would be some change with such an overhaul. Um, so yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting first few races for Mercedes, we'll see if they can really develop this new uh, philosophy, if you will, and start to close the gap from Red Bull. I don't think it's going to be drastic right out of the gates. It's going to take some time, but I think overhauling the car is definitely what they needed to do and they have done it. So I'm excited. It's just, I feel like it's not going to be enough this year. It's going to be maybe next year and then Hamilton's going to be gone. And then of course, Ferrari is the one who potentially screwed themselves by not overhauling the car this year. So great days to be a Hamilton fan, but we'll see. We don't know anything yet. It's all just speculation. McLaren, probably the most quiet launch of the of the week, because they already sort of launched their livery um, first way back in January, which I did talk about a couple episodes ago. So I will not delve into this livery too much, um, because this was the team's official launch. um, And I think it's more interesting to talk about what we learned from the event rather than just say again, There's no blue, there's more orange and a bit more black, and it looks great. Um, My main takeaway was that McLaren's very optimistic about the package they have, and they were also very secretive about it, too. I I really do believe that McLaren thinks that they have possibly even the best aerodynamic philosophy better than Red Bulls, and that was evident last year by their performance in medium to high-speed corners. I mean, especially the high speed corners, like everyone was raving about the McLaren through the S's in Silverstone, and um, they were amazing in Japan and uh, Qatar that has a lot of those high speed corners as well. It's all about making this car more drivable. McLaren has that weird tendency that all the drivers talk about of just not being able to, to handle the car the way they want to. That's where Daniel Ricciardo's career basically went into the trash can because the McLaren just completely ruined his driving style. Obviously, Norris is an extremely adaptable driver. So I'm interested to see if they have sorted these issues out, which will allow, you know, the drivers to uh, get more of them out of themselves and, and should also in- uh, improve the slow speed performance of the car, which was a big issue last year. Same with uh, the performance under traction. But I'm interested to see if Lando can take himself to another level if he doesn't have to, um, you know, uh, uh, show off his amazing adapting abilities. I'm curious to see uh, if he can take that really that next step and maybe, maybe because Oscar wasn't so used to driving such a weird car. Maybe now he can extract even more from himself than Lando can. I think this battle could be very interesting this year. However, um, Oscar definitely still has to iron out some race pace and some uh, tire dag issues. Either way, um, I think fixing the weaknesses of this car could make it an absolute beast. So I'm definitely excited to see what McLaren is up to because they were one of the more secretive uh, car launches, as I said, as well, um, not showing off certain aspects of it. So they they also um, the race actually pointed out that last year during their shakedowns, all the videos of it, they were blurring out the floor edges, which is a pretty crazy tactic to do, especially when your their car was no good. It, it, they said going into Bahrain that they were going to be slow. What could you possibly be hiding? And I guess they were basically hiding nothing. So it was being secretive for the sake of being secretive. However, Lando said, it's a game of performance. Why wouldn't you try to hide it from your opponents? I don't know. I see both arguments. So only time will tell if McLaren is actually hiding something big or if they're just being, you know, secretive for the sake of being secretive, as I said. So, yeah, they were talking a big game about catching Red Bull. Um, But that was before Red Bull's launch, which was a perfect segue because, The champions, the the team everyone is trying to beat, they had a pretty loud launch, for lack of a better word. A lot to unpack here. Not so much with livery because, well, it's pretty much the exact same to the minute minute detail. I'll put it up on the screen here. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you're looking at it. What's different than last year? If you can actually pick out something that's different than last year, props to you because I can't. I thought maybe it was a bit of a darker blue, I'm probably wrong, because I have no idea. Either way, though, I've always said it's a fantastic livery. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, but the story of this lo- of this launch was obviously not delivery. It was the bodywork of the RB20. And this photo does not do a great job of, of showing you that I'll get another one up on the screen. It kind of looks like last year's Mercedes, actually, maybe even a mix of uh, the Mercedes of 2022 and 2023. Even Max and Checo were surprised to see the difference. Uh, this may have been a masterstroke stroke from uh, Red Bull to completely take the attention off of Christian Horner's situation because I was very, very surprised to see him at the launch. Um, I, I'm still going to get to that in a second, too. I don't want to get uh, too carried away and not talk about the car because uh, I think Adrian Newey and co may have done what Mercedes could not do in 2022, and that is pull off um, the sort of zero pod concept. However, this car is still completely different than the Mercedes. It, it's it's not the same car at all. And still, though, uh, still, though, going from last year's dom- dominance to such a visual difference is so wild and so potentially risky, what it seems like for no reason and there was still not a lot shown in this car as well, I should say. You know, the floor was clearly a dummy. The front wing was very basic, and the rear was blocked by the team members. So who knows what they're still hiding. But still, to make that huge of a difference on the bodywork, I, I, I honestly wonder if they're trolling. Because Red Bull's always been one to show as little as they possibly could from their launches. Like last year, they had that huge, like... One hour long launch, and they didn't. They showed the old Red Bull with the new livery on it, which was again basically the same. They literally showed nothing last year, and then all of a sudden, this year, when they have an investigation going on, they have this massive bodywork change. From what I hear, that is the real bodywork, it's not a troll, but it is, it, w- it was certainly on display. I mean. The vertical side pod inlets like the 2022 mercedes and then it's got the shoulders like the 2023 mercedes and it's basically the talk of the formula one world right now anyone who watched the car launch um red bull had you know mastered platform control right from the beginning of the regulations and that would allowed them to really flex their muscles last year and now possibly they may have tapped into all that theoretical downforce that, uh, that Mercedes was said to have in 2022, but obviously couldn't access it because of their issues with their, with their platform. So this might just be an absolute machine. And I did warn you guys on the, what you need to know episode, I said out of the gates, this red bull might be absolutely insane because they put all of their time towards this vehicle um, I keep saying vehicle. That sounds. Why am I saying that today? I, I'm not really sure. That sounds so strange in the Formula One context. They put all of their all of their aerodynamic testing time into this car. Of course, they did have the penalty, but still, because of how dominant they were last year, they had all the time in the world to develop this car, and it clearly shows. Um, you know the shoulders, um. Are, are different than the Mercedes, but they're similar. You can see on the Red Bull that they dip down towards the rear instead of stay high on last year's Mercedes. Um, and there's an even bigger undercut now on the Red Bull than what there was on the 23 Mercedes, and and especially the 22 Mercedes, because um, that first uh, iteration of, of the Mercedes, the W14, or the W13, sorry, um it didn't even have an undercut. So this is still completely different. It's got the undercut, the shoulders dip down. It's it's a different look. But yeah, that um, amount of theoretical downforce that the 2022 car had, apparently that it was going to have seconds on the field were some of the initial reports. Um, there's the Jordan guy on Twitter, if any of you guys are familiar with. Uh, he had that famous tweet saying that, the uh, innovation on the car was the one of the best things he'd ever seen. And then Advantage locked in for years. Uh, it's so funny. People are still trolling that guy on Twitter. Um, so it, it's always funny to see that. But anyway, it's a scary proposition to think that Red Bull may have um, just jumped the field again. While everyone is converging towards them, they're innovating again. That is such a bold move. Um, and it's going to be a fun storyline to follow. But, of course, making a big change is still risky when you're already so dominant. But... Red Bull knows they can't stay stagnant or else teams will catch them. So they got to, you know, push, push the, uh, the target a little bit further ahead. Um, so people aren't going to be right on their tails. That's the hope, right? So yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry to give you the bad news. If you're hoping for a closer season though, sorry guys. Um, we can hope they missed something, I guess. On another note though, the Christian Horner stuff has to be addressed. Red Bull asked the media not to ask questions about the Horner investigation at the launch. Um, So they did avoid it during the launch, but they did allow media to ask questions afterwards. So of course, some comments were made. Um, Basically, without getting too much into everything that was said, the team was essentially preaching unity and Christian was still emphatically denying the allegations I still can't believe they put him front and center though. I mean, he was even getting celebrated because the 2024 um, launch will be the 20th season for Red Bull and he had been there right from the start. So that sort of made me think this is either getting overblown. He'll be fine. Red Bull will be probably looking to keep this quiet. But however, since then, More has come out from the Dutch media telegraph that Horner tried to settle with the female employee he allegedly acted inappropriately with. I'm talking about a million Canadian dollars that he tried to settle with, by the way, as well. It was, I don't remember how many euros it was, but yeah, essentially about a million Canadian dollars he offered. The girl turned it down and reportedly wants to go to court. I can't read Dutch, so this is all um, from Translate and other people looking into this. So real Dutch journalists have reported this though. if This goes on and Horner stays in his post. I feel like it will just be so distracting. It's so strange. I follow so many other sports and it's not even just a sports thing. Any company as well, if there's an ongoing investigation of something to this you know, magnitude, usually they take a leave or they're just not in the limelight. They're, they're doing stuff behind the scenes and they put Horner front and center. He's going to be at testing and he is basically refusing to step down from his post because his mindset on it is basically like, I didn't do anything. I'm denying these allegations. So, you know, why should I, um, stop doing what I love and doing what my job is? It's fair, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's still too early to, to, you know, say there's uh, definitively on on what's happening. Of course, there's still not enough detail to say for sure, but F1 has made an official statement saying they're aware of an investigation and they hope the matter is clarified as soon as possible, but with a thorough process. Um, So I don't know when this is going to be resolved, but he is probably most likely going to be on the pit wall for the first race of the season. Who knows how long this is going to take. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy for this to be going on and him to just be continuing in his position as normal. We'll see if anything develops. Um, Of course, I got you guys, I'll be giving you guys the update every Monday on on what's going on with this, because as much as it's not really something I want to talk about, and I'd rather talk about the fun stuff. um, This is huge news in Formula One right now. And uh, I feel like it of course, has to be mentioned on this podcast. Anyway, that is it. Sorry to end the first segment of the podcast on uh, a bit of a sad note or dark note, I guess, rather. But we are going to move on to the predictions, have a little bit more fun. So let's go to that. All right. This episode is all about pretty much laying out what I think is going to happen. I'm laying it out on the table for you guys so you can make fun of me. Half at the halfway point, and when we do the break, he's at the end of the year. Um, I I love to always revisit my predictions from the beginning and and talk about my thought process then and then why I was so wrong because it's almost guaranteed to happen. But I'm confident about this first one. We're starting with the constructors. We're going ten to one, and then we're doing the drivers twenty to one. I'm not going to talk too much about each team or driver and why I think they're going to be there maybe just a couple points and move on because we'll be here all day if i if i talk forever about just one team's position. Number 10 is a no-brainer i feel like it's got to be Haas. They've came out and said pretty much right out of the gate that they're going to be probably the 10th fastest team. I don't have any faith in this team to develop. I'm not sure how this IO Kamatsu regime is going to go. So I feel like they have to prove it to me before I really put my faith in them. Their drivers are not going to carry them to anything, but I think they're solid. Um, that was probably the highlight of their season last year, in my opinion. Magnussen wasn't great, but still, for a backmarker team, I think they have better drivers than Stake. I do. I think Hulkenberg's better than Bottas right now, and I think Magnussen can still do a better job than Joe. Um, so, I guess that is a perfect segue, because a ninth, I have Stake. Um, I think these were the bottom two teams last Yeah, they were in this order. So I have them staying. Um, I I thought about moving stake up, but I was like, man, at the expense of what team though, it's, I'm just not seeing what, how, how they're going to improve past the teams I have after this, because I have a little bit more faith in all of them. I think the drivers are going to definitely let this team down this year, unless Bottas can have a bit of a bounce back, like kind of like how he drove in the first half of 2022. If he can do that, then maybe they can challenge further up. Maybe this team has made a step because they have sort of changed a lot about their car. I think this team could surprise people, but I just at the end of the day, I don't think they have the oomph with their with their driver lineup either. I think this transitional period is a little bit too corporate for them to make this huge step, but they do have to start making some steps because. Ultimately, it's not like Audi's going to come in and completely change the organization. It will still be a lot of the same people. So they should be making steps towards the front. I just don't have the confidence in this team or the driver really, drivers rather. Um, So I still have them ninth, but I definitely don't see them being worse than Haas. I'll say that. At number eight, the team that I maybe am too ambitious about And that is Williams. Of course, they were seventh last year. So this is a step back. But I'm just looking at the teams ahead. I think they all have to be quicker than Williams. And even if Stake does make the progress that they're hoping to make, Williams could definitely even be ninth. And that's not saying that they're not going to be competitive at all. I think with Alex Albon behind the wheel, James Valls at the helm. This team is on an upward trajectory. And if even if they go back in the constructors, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a failure. If they're closer to the front, but they finish ninth, that is better. Um, they got some new sponsors on the car. Hopefully Logan Sargent can make a step and contribute a little bit more than he did last year, because I think if he has another year, like he just had, he will cost them points or even a position in the constructors championship. So um, that's... Part of the reason why I have the mate, I also think they're still just very limited in the teams ahead of them, um, are clear have clear financial advantages, driver advantages, and I just could not justify putting them any higher, even though I do think you know good things could be coming out of Grove, um, and they might have some great moments this year. I just don't see how they're going to have more of those than the next teams, and I think that's evident by the team I have next because... I do not have Alphatari slash Toro Rosso slash Wish dot com slash Visa Cash App Red Bull slash RB or whatever. I have Alpine. I have Alpine moving down one spot in the standings from last year, and I'll just get ahead of myself because I think there's a clear top five. I have V Carb or Toro Rosso, whatever. I have them in sixth. So let me explain my thought process here because I think this might be one of the tightest battles on the grid this year. Yeah. I know, that's a crazy thing to say. Alpine and VCarb are going to be going at it. Um, I don't have any faith in this Alpine team. I think they will be quicker than VCarb. carb I, I do. But I think reliability, their drivers, execution-wise, is what's going to cost them in the end. I think VCarb is going to do that a lot better than Alpine will. Um, but this is going to be a battle right to the end. I bet you in Bahrain, Alpine looks way better than them. I bet you by the end of the season VCarb is going to somehow be ahead of them and people are going to look at alpine and be like how did you blow that how have how have you let this happen um because that's just what alpine does in my opinion you know they're going to leave so many points on the table and that's what's going to cost them i do think they're going to be comfortably ahead of the williams Stake, and hass uh group there um but when you look at it they're just if all the teams besides arguably VCarb, of course are clearly better than them so even the most they could get is sixth um so yeah i, I honestly think that v carb could definitely outperform them this year especially with the uh convergence they're kind of doing with red bull um they developed great throughout the year they have just as good of drivers arguably i think sonoda is almost on the level of gasly now and uh ricardo and Ocon. i mean that you could argue that's a wash too. I'd maybe give the slight edge to Alpine in that regard. But again, I just think that this team, this V carb team is going to execute better. I think they arguably might develop better and it's possible that they come out of the gates with a great car just because of how much they've gone down the Red Bull route now. So we'll see. I think this team is going to be, performing a little bit better than we have seen in the past couple of years in these new regulations so i've moved them up to 6 and unfortunately alpine has to move down so i do not think they're going to be faster than alpine again they will at some tracks or whatever for sure but over the course of the season i think they're going to benefit from alpine's own mistakes essentially then it's a big gap up to 5th and as much as I would love to see this team keep it going, I do have Aston Martin in fifth. I can't bring myself to put them any higher because I feel like for that to happen, I have to believe that one of Ferrari, Mercedes, or McLaren, are compl- they're going to completely bottle it. And I don't think any of them are going to screw up that badly because then it comes down to really, what driver lineups do you have more faith in? And it's so clearly not Aston Martin because of Lance Stroll. He's so far off of the likes of, basically, if you look at the second driver in each team, Mercedes basically doesn't have one, but sure, let's just call it George Russell. Then there's Carlos Sainz, and then it's Oscar Piastri. Piastri, in his one season in Formula One, has done more than Stroll ever has. And then, of course, Sainz and and Russell are so clearer than Stroll. Aston still is probably the most limited of those three teams in terms of, um, what they have, uh, within their team. And, um, you know, it's not a little unit anymore that they used to be, but still uh, Ferrari and Mercedes are massive teams and McLaren has a lot of great new signings, a brand new facility. So does Aston Martin. I would still put McLaren a little bit ahead of Aston in terms of the infrastructure and and team that they have. I would be curious to know who has more staff though, because Aston Martin actually might have more staff, so maybe I am wrong to, to call that out, but I like McLaren's trajectory so much more. They were getting better throughout the season last year. Aston Martin was getting worse um, and I like McLaren's drivers so much more, so that's pretty much it. Aston Martin in fifth. Number four, this might be a big surprise to you guys because I have Ferrari. I have Ferrari falling down to fourth. I, As I said earlier, I don't like the fact that they're on their own with the rear suspension. It makes me feel like they're missing something. I also just think that one team I have here is going to have a huge season, and they're going to be... They're going to establish themselves definitely as second fastest. We'll see if they can execute as well as the other team I have up here. So obviously I don't, you don't know if I'm talking about McLaren or Mercedes, um, but I think Ferrari can, might have a great start to the season and then really miss out on development this year. However, I do think things are starting to look a little bit different under Vasseur. Um, I have a lot more confidence in them, but just, just from launch season, I'm not loving what I've been seeing and hearing out of Ferrari. I think it's still going to be close, but I think they're going to lose out to Mercedes and McLaren. At third, I have Mercedes. I think they execute better than McLaren, Ferrari, and Aston Martin. Yeah, they're pretty trash at pit stops, and it drives me insane. But their driver lineup, you know, week in and week out is going to get solid points. I think there's a chance that once again, Mercedes maybe is the fourth fastest team. Ferrari might even be a little faster, but I I take Mercedes all day because they execute so well. I do expect them to develop and be faster than Ferrari at the end of the year, to be honest, Um, but I do not have them ahead of McLaren because I think this is the year they take a huge, massive step and they probably win some races. I I would take Lando Norris to win a race this year for sure. Um, I think at some of the high speed tracks, he might be mega. Um, So we'll see how it goes. Um, I I don't really have anything else to say on McLaren's front because, well, I guess I do actually. I think Oscar Piastri is going to take another step and that's what's going to help them in the constructors for sure. Because if he performed like last year, I don't know if he would be able to, help them achieve second because I don't think it's going to be night and day between McLaren, Mercedes Ferrari. Like I think it's going to stay somewhat close as it was last year, but I think at a wide variety of tracks, McLaren is going to be quicker than the lot uh, apart from Red Bull, who of course I have repeating as constructors champions. Once again, Um, I, I do think it will be closer this year just because last year is, is going to be so hard to repeat. First of all, um, but inevitably, even with this massive evolution on the Red Bull, things are going to converge. I think they will here a little bit. They will probably still win half of the races, if not more, but I, I would take McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari, all to win a race this year. I'll say that right now. Um, so yeah, Red Bull will repeat on the back of, of Max Verstappen. Checo not going to be bad enough or the car's not going to be bad enough that Checo becomes a liability. That's why I think Checo will be back in 26 as I mentioned uh or in 25 rather um on last episode. So, yeah, I think Red Bull's going to be just enough dominant or dominant enough, I should say, um to make keeping Checo uh worthwhile. Now we'll move on to the drivers. I'll rip through these a little bit quicker since you kind of already know what I think the pecking order is going to be in terms of performance. Um, so at twentieth, I think Logan Sargent is still going to be last. However, again, I think every driver will score points this year. I just I, I'm not sure I have the confidence in Sargent to be consistent enough. I think he might take a small step and maybe have like, show off his raw pace a little bit more, but. I don't think he's going to be very consistent. So, unfortunately, I have him 20th. Then I have the Haas pairing. I have Hulkenberg ahead of Magnussen. So, um, that's Magnussen 19, Hulkenberg 18. Then I have the Stake pairing, Joe, then Bottas. So, Bottas, um, the leading one there in 16th. In 15th, I have Daniel Ricardo because I, I think he's going to be close enough to Sonoda, but still probably... Not going to be. I. I. To be honest, I. I'm just looking at the drivers I have placed ahead of them, and I find it really tough to justify putting him behind or putting him ahead rather of any of them. Because at 14, I have Alex Albon. I think even if the Williams is a bit of a step behind the V-carb, Albon is just such a stud that he's going to get some decent points. Then I have the. I've Esteban Ocon at 13, Stroll at 12, and. Really, that's because I think his, his car is going to be way better, but I don't think he's very good. So that's why he's even in that mix. So putting him ahead of Ricardo is not bold. Then I have Gasly, who I think is going to be better than Ocon. And then I have Sonoda. So really, the drivers ahead of him are one one driver that is going to be in a definitively worse car, and that is Alex Albon, who is probably the best driver in the, the bottom five teams and I think Sonoda's is going to beat his teammate. And then I have the Alpines who are still pretty good drivers and a solid team. And as I said, I think they're actually going to be quicker than VCarb. I think it's their execution that's going to screw them over there. So I think this pack will all be very close. However, I just have Ricardo sitting at the bottom of it. And again, in line with my prediction that Ricardo will not drive at Red Bull next year. And it will, in fact, be... Perez. So I kind of gave it away all there. So just to reiterate right now, it's 20th Sergeant Magnuson, 19, Hulkenberg, 18, Joe, 17, Bottas, 16th, Ricardo, 15th, Albon, 14th, Ocon, 13th, then Stroll at 12, then Gasly at 11, and Tsunoda at 10. Now into the final nine. And at the bottom of that final nine, it's Carlos Sainz. I as I said, I have Ferrari in fourth so putting him here I think makes a lot of sense just behind Fernando Alonso in eighth who I think is just going to overachieve what's in that car of course he's still somewhat near the bottom of that group because I think Aston Martin is going to be a tiny little step off the top four but he still outscores Carlos Sainz and way outscores his teammate Struhl who is going to be part of the reason why Aston Martin is in fifth as I said in seventh I have George Russell. This is a tough one. I didn't know where to put because I think he is going to be closer than uh, to Hamilton than he was last year. However, where I've placed him makes it seem like maybe he's not going to be because I have a couple drivers in between. I still have Piastri in sixth, Leclerc in fifth, and then Hamilton in fourth. So really, to be a couple spots in between... There is probably going to be have a decent size, uh, be a decent size gap there. But also, if you remember last year, there at the end there was a gap of like 15 points between four drivers, and I think that could happen here. Um, so with McLaren being the second fastest, Piastri being about sixth feels right to me because I don't think he's going to be like ahead of Perez. That would be, you know, a mega job. I don't think he's going to be that good this year, but he's going to be solid and he's going to help McLaren get to that second place in the constructors as for Leclerc I think he has a fantastic season and overachieves into fifth so that's why I have him ahead of Russell and ahead of Piastri as for Hamilton I think he goes out with a bang with Mercedes I think he wins a race this year um and I think he kind of continues the great job he was doing until the last few races of last year um At least that's what I'm hoping will happen, but I would not be surprised to see Russell outperform Hamilton in the last season of Mercedes. Um, So I might be putting Hamilton too high here, especially when I have his team finishing in third in the constructors. We'll see. Um, But, yeah, that's where I got him right now. Third, I do not have Lando Norris. I have Sergio Perez. So, as you could tell, I have Verstappen winning the championship Norris is going to be his closest challenger. However, I don't think it's going to be a real challenge from the beginning of the season. I think it might even look like Paris again. Although this year we should finally know that it's not going to be a challenge. Paris is just going to hang around until he gets into his inevitable slump. However, by the second half of the year, I think Norris might be legitimately challenging Verstappen for wins. The gap. In points are just going to be too big and Verstappen is going to win his fourth world title. But the fact that Perez did not finish second in the championship again might give Red Bull some thought about replacing him. However, as I said, I think he stays with the team. So there you go. That's the 20. Verstappen number one, Norris number two, Perez number three. That's my top three. I think five drivers will win this year. I think both Red Bull drivers will win. I think Lando will win, Hamilton will win, and let's say Leclerc. So no wins, no wins for Sainz, no wins for Russell, and no win for Piastri. Uh, No win for Alonso either, unfortunately. I would love to see that. And honestly, if another one of the bottom feeder teams win in a crazy race, I would absolutely love that, but I'm not going to predict that. That's just crazy talk. So yeah, I think those five drivers will win, four teams will win, Five teams will be on the podium. So I'm going to say no podiums for VCARB, Williams, Alpine, none of those teams. That would be kind of crazy. But now you can make fun of me because we're going in to the question of the week. We have to get through last question or last week's question first. And that is, how much do you care for liveries? You can answer on YouTube or Spotify. And the featured answer this week is from Ben J on Spotify. Ben says that he doesn't care too much about launch season as long as you can tell the cars apart. And I chose this one because it's exactly how I feel. So I love the take, Ben. Thank you for sending in your question. As for this week's Spotify question, and I say Spotify question, I'm doing it on both now, so I should change that. The question of the week is, what was my worst prediction? This is the time for you guys to call me crazy. Be nice about it, but call me crazy. No, it's okay. Actually, really tell me What prediction I just made that, you know, for certain will be wrong, whether it's the position I put a driver, the position I put a constructor, even one of those last ones. If you think only five teams on the podium is bonkers, if you think five drivers winning after what we had last year is, is insane, let me know in the comments on YouTube or by answering the question on Spotify and you can be featured on next week's episode. So yeah, if you're a Spotify listener, look below the description course on youtube i trust that you know to leave a comment so yes leave your response and you might be picked that will do it for episode 86 of break bias i'm your host brad kramer i'll be back next monday for pre-season testing review and of course the release of season six of drive to survive as well i'll be reviewing that i'm interested in seeing the drama they try to make out of last season storylines because it was pretty weak <laughs> all right Goodbye.